0: Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton, and welcome to episode 64 today. We have a little bit to get to, so I wanted to go more into MSU hoops because when I did the episode on Saturday, it was more just I wanted to go off of that game off the top of my head. And I have a little more thoughts I gathered about that game and about the season so far and the rest of the season, but... I want to get to that right out off the hook. I have a little bit of Tigers talk. Uh, some of you guys voted you guys wanted to hear some Tigers talk, so I want to sprinkle a little bit of that in there today. And then we just saw a Kyrie Irving trade and Pistons trade deadline is also obviously approaching as well, so I want to hit on some trade deadline talk. So let's just get started with some M. S. C. hoops. And it's the part of they've struggled in previous years and they found their track late. Like we've all seen the little meme that they put out um, and the meme is, you know, they lose an early game in the in the beginning of the season where they're just clearly outmatched. They win a few tough games out of conference. They go through December, They start big time play strong. And then they take a bunch of I was late in January and early February losses where, you know, where we're at right now in the cycle of Izzo, and then the last part is, obviously, they, they catch fire and they go deep in March. This team doesn't have it in them. And I'm just going to say it right now, it's a fact that this is a different type of doubt I have with this team. With the Rocket team during the COVID year, it was like you knew somebody was going to step up. Obviously, they didn't get hot in March, but they got their way into March and got hot late. Last year, they got hot late-ish, but first-round exit, and then the the COVID year where the March Madness went away, Michigan State was peaking at the right time. Uh, but we've also seen this pretty much with every Izzo team in history. This is his worst roster he's ever had. This is a horribly assembled group. And whenever Izzo has those teams that get hot late, There's a lineup switch. Somebody emerges as a star and says, this is my team. I don't see it. You know, I'm just going to say it right now. Like, you don't have your Miles Bridges. You don't have your Jaren Jackson. You don't have your Cassius Winston. What do you you have to get you hot late in the season? Because even when Tyson Walker goes for 30, they still almost lose. That's the thing. Like, Tyson can score, but Tyson can't take over a game and just say, this is me now. Or he he can, but the team's just not good enough around him to to be able to win. You also look at every Izzo team that has won in the history of Tom Izzo. They have bigs, and and there's no bigs. He has that athletic big man that steps up late, like the Nick Wards, like the Xavier Tillmans like the Nick Costellos. I don't see it in any any of those three guys. And I've reached the point where I'm willing to sacrifice all three of them out of the rotation next year and bring in another transfer big. Because I'm at that point where it's like, are any of those three guys Big Ten basketball players right now? And if yes, can they play big minutes? None of them can. No, I think that Sissoko cool, fooled us early in the season, and teams figured him out very quickly. There's a lot of issues that need to be fixed, and I think this year I'm ready to just scrap it. I mean, get in the tournament, but there's going to be no noise made. And the only way this team's going to start winning games is if they drop into a 2-3 zone. You know, screw this little Amai Sissoko playing the big man. Screw this Kohler Cooper getting babied on the defensive end and getting bullied. And people don't talk about Sissoko a lot and how horrible of a rim protector he is, too. You have three guys who can't defend the rim, three guys who can't score down low. Kohler had that one game. That's it. You drop into this 2-3, and you put Malik Hall at the 5. Now, I, I was severely against this most of the season. And I still kind of am. But you have to change the roster somewhere. You have to change the lineup at some point. And this is when you change that lineup. You change it now. It can't get any worse from here. I mean, they just played a brutal stretch of basketball. That lost against Illinois. They lost against Purdue, IU, and then Purdue again, and then Rutgers. I mean, they went one and five in a stretch. I was just hoping, at a bare minimum, they'd go three and three in. And that Iowa game they won, I don't think they really should have won that one either. And when they go to Iowa, you, you can scrap that and put that as an out. There's just. There's nobody on this roster that if I'm an opposing team and I'm playing Michigan State that I'm looking at, I'm like, I'm scared of you. Nobody on this roster is scary. Tyson has his games where he's scary. Holgar has his games where he's scary. But none of them can just piece it together for a, a stretch of the season. You don't have your Zach Edy. You don't have your Trace Jackson Davis. You don't have your Taryn Shannon. You don't have your Hunter Dickinson. You don't have your Chris Murray. Nobody's scared of Michigan State when they play them. And that's why they're going in and losing right now. Because nobody's afraid of you. Teams are just going in and rolling you off the court. IU rolled you. Purdue rolled you. Rutgers just rolled you. You beat Michigan, you played a horrible game. You beat Iowa, you played a horrible game. Illinois couldn't close. And this is not a year where if they're losing to these teams that I'm sitting here all like, hey, it's a good loss. Because none of these are good losses because none of these teams are good teams. Rutgers played the most horrific basketball game in history and still won something's going wrong with this program right now I don't know there has to be a players only meeting at some point because something has to turn around whatever Izzo's doing is clearly not working the last three years You have a lot of guys in this program that I don't think will be there in two years, that are freshmen, that are sophomores. We're looking at if Izzo can't get it done next year or the year after it's done, he'll never get another one. I love Tom Izzo, I think he's a phenomenal coach, and I I think whoever succeeds him will not do even close to as good of a job as Tom Izzo has done at Michigan State. So all of you guys are like, fire Izzo, or he's just not the guy anymore. You're not finding anybody better than him. You see what's happening right now at Duke. You're seeing what's happening at Villanova. Two legendary coaches retire, two succeeders come in, can't keep the program where they're at. See what's happening at Michigan kind of like that too. Whoever succeeds Izzo will tink the program. I guarantee it. It's a bad job for anybody to take because your expectations are high as as a kite from day one. What's interesting to me about this college basketball season is there's a few blue bloods in the nation. There's a few. Your blue bloods of college basketball are, and I, I'm i talking about best of best programs in the last 15, 20 years, or even historically. Your blue bloods are Kansas, Duke, UNC, Villanova, Louisville, Kentucky, Michigan, Michigan State, and I'm going to sprinkle in, this one could be controversial, whatever, Virginia and Gonzaga. So you have your 10 blue bloods. Well, this year's very. This year has been very interesting to me, because none of the blue bloods are performing like blue bloods, right? I'm not going to count UNC out just yet because of what happened last year. They were a horrible regular season team. They got in, and then they got to the Natty. So UNC, that that's to be determined. But the rest of the nation, the rest of your blue bloods, everybody's performing at a very low level. And Virginia's barely a blue blood. They're performing at a high level this year in Kansas. You have two blue bluffs performing at the level they're supposed to be performing at. Then you have the teams like Michigan State, like Duke, like UNC, like Kentucky, Gonzaga, that are just performing at a decent level. It's going to get them in the tournament, but it's bad basketball. It is not acceptable for these programs to be performing how they're performing. Add UNC to that mix, too of those teams. Then you have your teams like Villanova, like Louisville. Hey, I said Kentucky was a team that's performing. At, like This is not an acceptable level. I'm going to throw Kentucky in this mix of teams too. Villanova, Louisville, Kentucky, Michigan. All four of those teams are performing at atrocious levels right now. Atrocious levels. Levels of basketball that Jobs should start being honestly examined closely. I'm not saying guys should be fired right now, but guys should be put on the hot seat. Like Kenny Payne, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if you should even let him get into next year. But that's a guy you got to take a look at. The guy who succeeded Bill Nova, take a look at him. Jawan Howard, we're looking at potentially maybe at some point down the road firing of him. You know, divorce there and then. Kentucky, where I put them on a borderline of atrocious level and this is not acceptable. I mean, if Cal Perry can't get them in this year, are you looking at his job in all seriousness? Are you looking at Cal Perry and are you saying, you got bounced last year, St. Peter's in the first. You haven't gotten the job done in about 10 years now. And you've barely got us to the Final Four in the last seven years. That program's tanking very quickly. I mean, the last three years of Kentucky basketball is not Kentucky basketball. And in, in, in K- Kentucky basketball's religion down there. And if this continues down in Kentucky, are, are we looking at a potential Cal Perry out of his job? To, you know, it would be three straight years without getting out of the first round and two of those years, missing the tourney. I, I don't know. It's just not good. What's going on in Kentucky? But I want to move in a little bit of Tigers talk. I, I'm so sick of like Tigers Twitter. Like saying, "Well, Chafin and Fulmer are still free agents. Why don't we bring them back?" You know why I don't want to bring them back? Because I don't want to see these guys anymore. You know why? Because why would you roll back the same rosters last year? I mean, you can roll the same. I'm cool with these bombs getting rolled on the field this year. There's nobody on this roster that you're looking at and you're like, hmm, that's a guy I'm scared to pitch to. It's not a guy in this rotation you're afraid to play. If your Ace is the start of the year is Matt Manning or Erod, <laughs> good luck. I mean, you might have 10 wins going into uh the middle of uh May. This is an abysmal roster. You guys have this little false hope in all of you that this will all end up being okay and this roster will start to win games somehow and they'll be competitive. No. They're not going to be competitive. They're not going to be good. They're like quadruple A players. Like, we're playing a 4A ball club right now. I mean, seriously. Your best players are washed up Miggy in your lineup. In the last year of his career, who's was batting like 260 with seven checks a year right now. I mean, if if, if Bias can, still, can somehow figure out a way to turn this around, I don't know. But this is one of the worst off-seasons I have ever seen. I mean, they've, they've had some bad ones through the years. I mean, we've seen some. I, I remember scratching my head at Zimmerman and Upton that off-season. The many off-seasons where they stayed pad and done nothing, and you're frustrated. You're like, when are they going to buy – well, I, I'm just coming to the realization of uh, whatever GM you bring in, whatever president you bring in, whoever you bring in, it ain't going to work out. Because as long as Chris Illich is in all, in that power and holding that money, nobody's winning baseball games in Detroit. And, you know, you're, you're looking at this roster and the way they're assembled. I'm going to make an argument. They're in a worse position than they were in year two of their rebuild. When they were dumping off their final assets they had like the Uptons and JD Martinez on the last year of his contract and Castellanos. When you were unloading those guys at the final part of the teardown, I'd say we're right there in that part. Like you're holding on to a horrible bias contract. You're you're holding on to an awful, awful, awful Erod contract. You have a few young guys. None of them have produced at the major league level yet. And if they have, they've been hurt. You've rushed up some guys. Now you're forced to play them. I, and I don't like what Torkelson said. His little like press conference about swing. I've got to pull up the whole thing. But a lot of things are just... Just feel really off about this baseball team. You don't have Mize. You don't have school ball for most of the season yeah you get turnbull back and yeah i mean you get you you get year three you're two and a half of manning but i've reached the point where your only guy in the roster that, that i'm actually looking at uh, and i think could actually develop to be a very good mlb player is riley green but once you get past those five guys there's nobody in that farm system and we're now seven and a half years past the first part of our rebuild. And we're the 30th ranked farm system in MLB. Now you guys could sit here and say, well, you guys gonna say Keith lost bias and he's the Tigers whatever. I, I don't care. So you want to be the 25th best farm system versus the 30th? Whoop-de-woo, big deal. There's teams that are number one like the Dodgers who every single year they win the world series and then they reload more talent and they get the best prospects and they have the best scouts in the world. And then you have Detroit who can't scout, who can't spend money correctly or even spend money at all. Because I mean, when Mickey's contracts off the books, they're going to be a bottom third of the MLB in the payroll. They might be close to like 25, 26, 27 range. I, th- this is sad times in Detroit baseball and for the people who are, for some reason, pulling out this hope that this team is going to be good, I don't know. I salute to you. I, you're going to be very disappointed. I think we have another 100-loss season, and I mean, this is going nowhere. This guy, Harris guy could be a genius, but it'll just controlling this ball club. I mean, it's just the same thing with the Pistons is what I'm starting to get to. It's like, Whoever's owning this club, if they can't sit there and give people money or give them the right front office to work with or give them the right control, it doesn't matter who you put in office. They're going to lose. It's like the Lions every year up until now. It doesn't matter who you put there. It's just going to be a, a L of a season. And we've gotten to that point now with the Tigers where it's just like, come on. Well, there was some breaking news earlier Yesterday, and it was Kyrie Irving got traded to Dallas for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney Smith, a 2029 20, first and two second round picks. I mean, like, you have to give credit to the Mavs, okay? They pushed all their poker chips right to the middle and said, We're going for it now. Luca, Kyrie, Best backcourt in the in the West right now, but outside of, the, of Clay and Curry, and honestly, that could end up being better. I they they've got something there. Now they have to find a big, or this won't get done. The rest of their lineups like you're 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 scratching your head like, will this team get it done? Look, Mark Cuban just showed he was willing to go all in. And you have to give them a round of applause for pushing those poker chips to the middle. That takes balls to do. Very few GMs do that. And when the GMs do that, you know, the last time I think a team truly pushed their poker chips to the middle like this, and it worked, was the Lakers when they pushed for when they made the 80 trade. Obviously, in between, there's been many trades that haven't worked. The Kyrie experiment with the Nets clearly didn't work out when they pushed their poker chips in the middle, and we've seen you know we Boston tried to do it many times before it started working with with Tatum and, and Brown, but when they did it with Kyrie, teams push it. But the but the reality is, eighty and and LeBron, they really pushed their poker chips there and they won, and that takes balls to do. Now, you know Luca was crying for help. He got his help. And we'll see if this is the right thing. The Nets finally cut their bait with Kyrie and and clear a lot of drama and probably cap space up. You have KD still sitting there, probably the next guy to be traded, and then Ben Simmons is all alone. And I wonder who would pursue KD. Because you're you're taking on an aging vet who's hurt, but he's phenomenal he's healthy. I mean, you're getting one of the best players in basketball when he's healthy. But it's a lot of money you're dealing with with him, and I don't know who would take him. But I think this this Kyrie trade, you have to give Dallas card for. They gave up nothing. You have nothing. They traded a point guard for a point guard, which, I mean, honestly, our, our, Dan Woody will be fine, in Brooklyn, like, if uh, if anything, he might actually make them a little better. And Kyrie's clearly going to make Luka look better. But, just weird. It's just weird the Pistons aren't training Boyan. I'm sitting there, I'm like, why? You have to move him. If there's no moves made at this deadline, then the time's ticking for uh, Weaver. Because I'm sick of it. I'm three years in a row playing the worst team in the league. you got to have a sense of urgency to win some games. Or at least a sense of urgency to start moving on with some of these players and realizing that these guys aren't winning basketball players. You can have a great core, but if there's nobody around these three guys, they're never going to win. You have an offseason that that is crucial. You have a crucial, crucial, crucial offseason. You know, I've been on the hesitant of waiting until 20 until the trade deadline to make trades. You know what? Screw it. You, you, you gotta revamp this entire roster. I'm cool with keeping your 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 three guys and your draft pick as your core. Unless you're at number two and we've had the discussion on here before about scoot. Do you draft them? Do you not? I think you have to. But you have potentially four guys there. That's your core, but the reality of the story is you're going to reach a point where you're not going to be able to afford all four of them. And when you reach that point is when you're supposed to be winning titles. So good luck. Because if you don't start winning games now, and you don't start progressing this rebuild, there will never be a title in Detroit. There will never be nothing more than maybe a first-round appearance. But Next year, you got to start moving some poker chips closer to the middle because I mean, I'm at a point where it's just like urgency. Win a game. Show me you can win three consecutive games. I mean, when's the last time this team has done that? Pulled together three consecutive games. And it's just a really disappointing season, obviously with K going down, but there's just none of these guys look like they want to win so i'm going to be back on wednesday more talk about the week we're going to recap uh, michigan state maryland and uh whatever news is in between but see you guys back on wednesday